like an animal, talks like an animal, must be an animal, come here the animal, talking animal, talking animal. Good morning. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. Before we take a step further, I want to extend my humongous thanks to Bev Capshaw for hosting the past two shows in my absence. Both those editions of Talking Animals were outstanding. If you haven't heard one or both of those shows, do yourself a favor and listen on the WMNF archives. Just really terrific shows. Thanks again, Bev. Meanwhile, on today's program, my guest is Glenn Hatchell, returning for the seventh installment of Ask the Trainer. You may recall that not, not quite two years ago, we conducted something of an experiment here trying out an extended new segment called Ask the Trainer. The trainer in this case, of course, was uh, Glenn Hatchell. He's a former WNF programmer and an accomplished dog trainer and behaviorist, currently works as the behavior and enrichment manager at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay. So in that initial show and the uh, six ones we've done subsequently, we invite our listeners to call or email in with questions about their dogs or cats in some cases, behavior or training, and Glenn responded. People seem to really appreciate the help and guidance Glenn provided. And, of course, the information he offered was simultaneously helpful to many of those listening as well. So we now present as a trainer about every three or four months or so, including today, obviously, when we again invite those listeners to call in 813-239-9663. And uh, we've learned, for what it's worth, that phone calls tend to work a little bit better just because they enable Glenn to ask the caller follow-up questions, which you can't do, obviously, with a text or an email. And that helps him to kind of more precisely sort of assess the issue and better calibrate his recommended solution or suggestion. Still, for listeners unable to call or just prefer not to call, we also aim to incorporate questions submitted by email at dj at wmf.org or via text at 813-433-0885. So feel free to call or email now. While Glenn and I chat for a few minutes, also another thing we've noticed uh, sometimes over some of the, doing some of these shows is that we invite people to call and email, and then towards the end of the show, we get a flurry, and then we, unfortunately we can't accommodate everybody who then has uh, tried to participate. So get a jump on now, 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or text 813-433-0885 for any questions, dog questions, cat questions, Maybe even other animal questions, mostly behavior and training related, of course. And um, Glenn will field those. So we will proceed with that. But first, let's say hello to Glenn. Glenn, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Duncan. Doing great. How are you? We're really well, thanks. Thanks again for doing yet another edition of Ask the Trainer. And uh, really appreciate it. So as we typically do, let's chat for a sec or two about something. And then hopefully folks will call in and avail themselves of this great service that you're offering today. So let's talk about behaviors or what I guess we're taught of normal behaviors for dogs and cats and what if you're not seeing those and then what does that suggest in terms of concerns or questions or steps that should be taken with that the animal in question that's a great way to start great way to start and part of what got me thinking about let's begin the discussion this way was I um, went to Sun City Center a couple of weeks ago and did a uh, 
a talk with the Cat Lovers Club of Sun City Center. And one of the things we talked about a lot was being able to provide things for the cats that allow them to express normal behaviors. And a lot of times, if they're not, especially with cats, because they're so pre- they're so predatory, that if they're not able to express those normal behaviors, then they may. That's when they turn around and may possibly be doing things that you, as the cat owner, don't want. Um, and you know, the easy one to think about is scratching on the furniture, mm. um, and because cats, you know. I mean, that's one of the things that's natural with, with a feline. And one of the things that a feline, they're outside and have that, uh, that um, ability, is they have both vertical and horizontal structures to be able to scratch on. And that's actually important for a cat. So it can be very simple things, such as making sure that, you know, cats who are indoor cats have the have multiple options of being able to scratch both vertical and horizontal. Um, but we don't necessarily, you know, it, it's really kind of a simple kind of thing for us thinking, oh, well, really, that's going to take care of that. But it may very well solve the problem because it's such a natural thing that cats need to do. Um, and, you know, I, so that's just one example of, you know, a normal behavior that a lot of times an indoor cat may not get, you know, all of the options. And it's not, again, too, it's not just having the ability in one place to do it. I think that's kind of like, you know, reading the same book. You only have the same book to read or the same record to listen to. Yeah. Um, so having those options is going to give variety and is also going to, you know, make it more balanced. Just like, you know, for us, the more varied activities that we're able to do and things, you know, just the more our mind relaxes. So, Glenn, with that in mind, if people might be sort of budget-minded, as many of us are these days, what are some things that if they aren't already providing vertical and or horizontal structures for the cats to scratch on, what are some reasonably priced ways uh, or just maybe things that don't cost much of anything to provide those kinds of uh, structures to, to the cats in their house? Well, if we think of things that have <clears throat> some sort of a texture that a cat would be able to get their nails into, even if you found a stick or a piece of, you know, a board or something like that, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. That's the great thing about, yeah. I mean, if you think about a cat who lives outside, they're going to be going for a tree. Now, I don't think a lot of people are going to necessarily have a tree inside for their cat <laughs> to scratch on, but... I mean, you can actually kind of, I mean, actually, if you had a catio, that would be a really cool thing to have. Yeah. And those are becoming popular as well, which would, could incorporate those kind of things. But, you know, that's what I would think of. And even for dogs, you know, things to chew on. My feeling about sticks is that if your dog isn't, in, you know, isn't chewing it up and ingesting it, um, there's a lot of natural behavior to be able to, you know, to chew and to tear up a stick. You know, shredding is something that a lot of dogs... Um, a, lo- a lot of dogs really have uh, get a lot of pleasure from. They it's, find it really it's satisfying. It looks like uh, to Thank me. You. There's yeah. what I, there's what I was trying to say. What I was imagining was my pity Eleanor just chomping through a cardboard box, and you know that's the kind of thing that. <clears throat> Well, one of the, one of the behaviors for dogs, well, really for dogs and cats, is the ability to forage. Um, much more so for dogs. Um, which are why food puzzles are so popular 
and you know what I just talked about there, putting food in a in a um, a cardboard box, for example. Almost every well, Ian Dunbar is a name that those who follow you would recognize him. A lot of listeners on the show would probably recognize this name, but um, he was one of the early um, well-known trainers who really has put forward positive reinforcement. Mm. Um, and one of the things in, in his kind of chart that he puts out of dog behavior problems is, does your dog have behavior problems? And if the answer is yes at that point, then the first thing is stop feeding him from, stop feeding it from a bowl. Stop feeding your dog out of a bowl. Oh, yeah. The first thing is that feeding, all of a sudden now, we're making, you can look at it and say they're having to work for it. But then in another way, when I watch my dogs go after a, food puzzle i don't they're not working they're having a blast yeah (laughs) now it may be it's a job on their case because they have a task to accomplish there but that satisfies the forage aspect they're also getting the feeding um and that really is the kind of enrichment and kind of thing you can do for dogs and cats um because you know, we've all seen cats knock, you know, things around on the floor, whether it's a rubber band or a, you know, toilet paper roll or whatever, whatever may be around. But you can just turn it right around even for a cat and put some treats in that toilet paper roll or even rub the toilet paper. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Even rub the toilet paper roll with some catnip and then let the cat um, go after it. Wow. And be able to play with it. Now, the reason why I hesitated about catnip is because cats, every cat reacts to catnip differently. Some no reaction, some trance out for a little bit, and others really go nuts and can cause some aggression. So you have to really watch what how your cat reacts to catnip, but rubbing it on something like that, all of a sudden it is something new, something different for the cat. And as I use that example, this would be something that the cat may get to experience, let's say, once a week, not necessarily something that is a daily thing, using the catnip example. Um, But both animals have a forage aspect. Hunting, obviously, they're going for food, so, you know, Everybody wants to do that. Um, so it can be very inexpensive. You know, I, I'm, I actually referred to toilet paper rolls. Um, that's what, I mean, I use them. We use them quite a bit here at the shelter because it's just an easy, cheap way to be able to throw some treats in it, fold it up, and it's something that the animal can shred to get the treats out of. In reality, if, it's, if they swallow it, then we know, okay, this is an animal we're not going to give stuffed, a stuffed toy to because they might ingest what's in it. Yeah. But, you know, if the dog just shreds it and leaves all the wet paper, to- or paper toilet paper roll, then boom, win-win. Dog got some treats, tore it up, and hopefully we got 10 minutes of a relaxed dog. Yeah. Well, I'm going to come back to a... a- question about something you said about Ian Dunbar in just one sec, but for folks who might have just tuned in, just want to let you know this is Talking Animals, and this is, uh, you're hearing Glenn Hatchell, we're doing another edition of Ask the Trainer, in which we invite people to call in, 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or text 813-433-0885, and ask pretty much any kind of question you have in mind about dog behavior and training, uh, predicaments, things that have you hit like kind of a wall or something has changed. Uh, Leashing unicorns. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, we, we, I figured we'd work the unicorn in at some point. But uh, 
but also cats too. Uh, he answers cat questions. And again, Glenn is at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay and uh, where he's the behavior and enrichment manager uh, there, but also a longtime uh, trainer and behaviorist and uh, been doing and this. And I'm quick to say, and I'm quick to say you've stumped me on this. So that's why, that's one of the reasons why, Duncan, you say <clears throat> everything's open. As far as as far as kind of questions and such. Yeah. So, anyways, we urge people to call in now because, again, what has happened, we've done a number of these shows over the last couple of years we, from the day we first tried it, and people seem to really like it. But what happens, unfortunately, sometimes is we don't get as many calls or emails at the beginning, and then we get a flurry at the end, and we don't have time to accommodate those. So if you have any kind of question about the, any animal in your house and any concerns about behavior or just you're hitting kind of stymied on training or any uh, anything else, 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or just text 813-433-0885. So back to what you were saying about Ian Dunbar when he notices a – behavioral issue and he takes the food bowl away so then what what are the steps that that then he recommends that you take then once you've taken that bowl away so i'm sorry reply don't feed out of a food bowl feed from something else okay sorry i i hope nobody else was misunderstood yeah no but i I mean like what what is the uh what is what kind of option does he recommend yes very very valid follow-up question so part of the foraging is I mean, part of that bit is to have them forge do something different. The other part is that feeding time is the is one of the prime opportunities for training. So it also starts kind of introducing some more of a routine during feeding time. But typically, I now in my case, I don't know what he recommends specifically is uh, some sort of a puzzle. I don't think he gets any more specific than that to begin okay. with, but that could be as simple as a um, a rolling food dispenser, and a popular or well-known brand is Kong. They make mm-hmm. a cylindrical-type, uh, looks like an ice cream cone kind of thing. Sure. Um, and you can put food inside of it, and the dogs basically have to knock it around to be able to knock the food out of it. Um it's not that difficult if you just put – now, when I say food, I mean dry kibble, for example. Um, it's not difficult for the dogs to <clears throat> get the food out of it because all they have to do is hit it with their paw or roll it and yeah. it go. But for some dogs, they don't show a lot of problem-solving skills or they're just not one that's going to do a lot of hard work. And a Kong can be really good for those dogs because – all they've got to do is push it and a, a couple of kibbles fall out, you know. So it's something that's easy for the dogs to do. It's not complex. Um, so that's at the that's one example. Another example that I do pretty regularly with my dogs, but I'll only do it in the crate because I don't want a paper bag, a paper bag torn up everywhere, is basically take a brown lunch bag and I put the dry food in it. And just usually, well, for one of my dogs, I leave the bag open. And for another of the dogs, I actually close it up and put it inside of a box and then put that in the crate. Wow. And she ends up having to get through the box and then into the bag. Um, but she is also one to where, I mean, she she will work, she will work complex puzzles. So there's not... She she has a rare ability. I don't know if I'd call it rare ability. She has a high enough drive that she will go through anything to get it food. 
Wow. Okay. Well, that's great, and and uh, sounds like a budding chess master as well, perhaps. But um, so. <laughs> she would knock the table over. Well, let's um, take one of our uh, one of our first calls, Glenn, and then we'll come back maybe a little bit more and talk about some of this a bit further. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Glenn Hatchell. Let's ask the trainer. Hi. Am I on the air? Yeah, it's you. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I have a dog that uh, likes to dig holes in the backyard, and uh, that. Uh, like a normal activity for most dogs, or do, do I expect to have a hole that'll end up uh, all the way to China? And how old is how's the dog? I estimate about seven or eight years old. Oh, ah, interesting. Um, is it in one spot or all over? Well, she's chosen a couple of spots to uh, to make some some dirt holes mm-hmm. to lay in. Um, well, are you, do you not want any holes, or are you okay with one hole? Well, it depends on which hole I want to break my ankle in walking around the yard. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, because if, if you're okay, well, one, my first thought is that it's something that she's finding enjoyment doing. Um, and it's a behavior that she wants to, you know, it sounds like a behavior she's wanting to do. Um, assuming that we're assuming that there's no medical reasons why she would be doing it. And my thought would be something related to her paws, but I think you would see more than, you know, digging and, you know, digging if she was having some sort of issue with the paw. Um, Well, if there was one hole that you were okay with her digging in, then what I would do is actually reward her for digging that hole. So in other words, bring her over to it when she digs on that one, actually provide her a food reward. Or if she likes to throw the ball, something that, that encourages her to dig in that one single hole, but that also means covering up the other holes. So you may want to, after you, you know, fill them in, put, you know, a chair over it or something just to deter her a little bit while she gets used to one hole, one hole to dig in. Um, But my thought would be since she is looking to do that, then I'm, I'm not of the mind. I'm of the mindset. Oh, well, if the dog wants to do that, how can we provide the ability for her to be able to do that? Um, so that's kind of where I was, where, where my thinking goes and my answer goes along that line. If you don't want her to dig anywhere in the yard, then there's a lot of management, um, on, well, then, then it would be one of keeping your eye on her when she's there. And if she starts to dig, um, have a, a behavior like, um, touch to where she comes back to you to touch your hand. And that way, if she's coming to you, she's not digging. So a couple ideas. The thing is, you know, I see her laying out in the hole, so apparently she enjoys it, and maybe it's uh, more comfortable for her to lay in, in a like a well-defined hole she dug that conforms to her body, right? And and cooler dirt, the dirt down dirt. lower is cooler. So I figured, okay, I'll just kind of leave that, leave that alone, and uh, I guess if she if she hits any other target around the yard, then maybe I don't have to mow the lawn anymore. <laughs> that's possible that's okay. great we're now we're seeing the benefits of the whole digging i like this this is definitely a come a, come a nice direction so thank you so much caller for your question i appreciate it okay thanks hi you're on talking animals with glenn natural on acid trainer hello thanks. it's you, you right? yeah go ahead it's you please great thanks um so my family has a, a farm in central florida and they have uh two dogs litter mates uh their catahoula mixes um one looks like a basset hound. The other looks a bit like a whippet. Uh, the, the basset hound will stay in the compound. He runs around. He's a you know great little farm dog. The the whippet is uh, is definitely an athlete and loves to 
jump fences when he can. You know, he needs a lot of exercise, um, but when he's off lead, he, you know, again, he he, he has that Catahoula hunting instinct. Um, mm-hmm. What what are some of the methods that we can do to keep him uh, in the vicinity? You know, um, we like to have them out together because they play and run. The Bass mm-hmm. and Hound kind of antagonizes and encourages the other one to run away. Um <laughs> Uh, and, and their names, for the record, are, are Banger and Mash. So uh, Banger is the Bassett, Mash is the, the, the thinner uh, with it like one. Great question. <clears throat> and, yeah, you, I think you, you, you described some breed characteristics pretty well there. Um, I think, you know, it, my thought goes to um, herding dogs like Border Collies who obviously there's a DNA aspect in Border Collies that are pretty innate to, you know, being able to do that herding. But one of the amazing things on Border Collies is their recall ability when, you know, they hear the whistle or whatever coming back to, coming back to the human, coming back to the person. Um, and that's really in all of those cases is just a very strong recall coming when called. Um, usually at the distance you're talking about, it's going to be something where it's going to be like a whistle. Um, that you would have her him him mast mast is male or female? Oh uh, yeah yeah both 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 are both are male. Okay, um, that's right. You said that <clears throat> when you mentioned litter mates. Um, but b- basically, it's working on very strong recall. But you're also too working against some of that, um, just some of that nature of the of the of the Catahoula about wanting to be that that hunter. And explore, mm-hmm. um, but you know this is interesting. Or this, this is what makes this question so good. As I was also thinking within today, and I made is fundamentals that it's so critical of regardless of what it is, whether it's a sport or you know, whatever, it's being able to do the fundamentals well and having that master on the fundamentals. And this would be that scenario to where you would start in a very controlled environment where mass, of course, mass is going to come back to you kind of thing. You know, he's getting Mm -hmm. cheese or he's getting something um, to where it becomes very repetitive for him. And then you're kind of just increasing the distance to where now it's um, they're, you know, 10 yards away and now they're 20 yards away with, with moving to that next step only when, Mast is really, really consistent at that, you know, closer or that, at that distance that's closer in. And basically it's building from that. Um, depending on catahoulers are really fast learners, but every dog has their own time frame as far as they would pick up on it. It'd be a fun project to do, but it's not something probably that would happen in three weeks. But you never right. know. <laughs> you never know. So, so- I get... Yeah, Matt, Matt is in, in incredibly um, uh, quick learning. I mean, he, he he learned to sit the first time I said sit, you know, and he and he does it immediately. Um, yep. Banger's a bit more stubborn because you know he's got that basset in him. Um, so so just to make sure I'm understanding correctly, you're suggesting you know a confined area, a controlled area, having a whistle, having a treat, and working just with Mash to 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 get that recall sort of uh, solidified in him, so he knows that when we blow the whistle, he comes, he gets a treat. And just do that over and over and over again. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to, to describe it. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your call. Appreciate it. Hi, this is uh, actually, uh, well, let me just uh, remind folks who might uh, 
have not uh, caught the first part of the show. This is Talking Animals. Today we're doing another edition of uh, Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. So we're welcoming your calls at 813-239-9663 for any kind of questions about dog behavior or training and cat behavior and training and, and even as now a slight running gag is uh, unicorn behavior and training. Um, but you can also, of course, yeah, that's right. You can also email dj at wmnf.org with your question or text 813-433-0885. And we are going to ask a, uh, get to a uh, text question in just one moment. We're going to take one more call first. And uh, let's do that now. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Glenn Hatchell. Let's ask the trainer. Hi, Glenn. Hi. Hi, Duncan. This is Gail calling from Bel Air. And I have one additional uh, tip for making a, an interesting puzzle for a dog that can solve puzzles. Wow, great. That is, that is create puppy French toast inside your Kong and put it in the freezer. And what I mean by that is take some of the puppy's kibble, put it in a bowl of water, and let it swell up so it kind of looks like French toast, right? It's just absorbing all the water. And then we're just talking about a small amount of food. And then stuff mm -hmm. it inside the Kong, press it down to the bottom. If you have to, you can use a little dab of peanut butter to make it more exciting. But their Kong, frozen, will be enough. And for us, if you let that freeze overnight and you give that to a lab puppy who will try and tear anything he can <laughs> to get it out of there, it will keep that dog entertained for about 30 minutes inside a crate. Wow. <clears throat> That's a, that's a great I've never I've never thought about soaking the kibble to do it, but I, I absolutely mm -hmm. see what you mean. And you know, you're I'm glad that you point, brought that up because when I was talking about the Kongs earlier, you know, just using it a as a basic feeding thing, this obviously is the way to to elevate that um work that the pup has to do to be able to get to the food. And right. if you've got and a motivated use... dog. <laughs> oh, if you've got a motivated dog, and in the beginning, sometimes they're, like, confused. You know, why are you giving me this this cold, hard, frozen Kong? I usually like to play with Kong. Right. Give it five exactly. minutes, and it's going to start to smell a little bit like their food. They're going to start to figure it out, and it's... It works like a champ. And we don't use it as a method to feed the dog, but rather take a portion of their food out of what you would use them to, to feed them with so they don't get fat. There we go. That's perfect. great. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is absolutely enrichment, at, a perfect example of enrichment. It doesn't matter whether it's a shelter dog or a dog at home. They all go for it and they all bet value from it. Or, yep. or, if they're or, food motivated, they'll love it. Or a guide dog, uh, at least a guide or dog a guide in training, dog, yeah. right? Just for example. <laughs> All right, Gail. Well, that is fantastic. Thank you so much for that that great idea. Thanks. Thank this you. This is such a great thing that you're doing. I really love it. Thanks, Thanks. Gail. Thank you, Gail. Okay, so again, this is uh, Ask the Trainer. It's Glenn Hatchell. If you'd like to do what Gail and others have done, you can call 813-433-0885 for a question or a comment, uh, again, about your dog. Uh, cat, other animals, training, behavior, any kind of thing you feel a bit frustrated or puzzled by, uh, 813-239-9663, or you can text 813-433-0885, or you can just send us an email at dj at 
org, and Glenn will be happy to field those questions. So, you know, I have a question. Okay, and then I have a comment from back to our earlier conversation about the hole digging. Oh, go ahead. Came in. Go ahead and make that first. Okay, so this is from uh, uh, Mayor in Tampa saying, some people suggest to create a quote-unquote dig box so the dog has a safe place to dig like a raised garden bed. Curious to see what your guest thinks about that. Thanks for the show. Yep, there is another option for sure. In fact, I have one of those in one of the play yards here at the Humane Society. <clears throat> and in two and a half years, I've never had one dog dig in it. I am so disappointed. Wow. That it has not been, it has not been the, um, the play box that I thought it would be. And I, th- I think part of it is there's so many other options. But who knows? Yeah. Who knows? So um, does WMNF have any upcoming concerts or festivals or anything that people should know about? Oh, absolutely. Our, 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 our big extravaganza is Tropical Heat Wave, which has been sort of, uh, I guess you could say, on a hiatus for seven years. We haven't done one, and people kept saying, when are you going to do Tropical Heat Wave? When are you going to bring it back? So we are bringing it back. It's May 6th at the Cuban Club. Uh, just basically three venues. It's like... But a bunch of great bands. You can go to uh, WMF.org and find out about tickets, find out the band lineup. But it's just going to be fantastic, and uh, people are super excited. There's a great mixture of uh, of uh, bands that will be performing, but it's it's a kind of a little bit more confined. Some years you could go all throughout Ybor City to catch a venue, and it was like, well, I can't catch this band if they're all the way down the road at this other venue from the one I'm seeing now. But this is all really self-contained, three three stages Great, great, great. So it's going to be, again, May 6th, and tickets are moving like the real hotcakes, so you don't want to miss out. 813-238-8001. You can call during the day for information about that, or, again, just go to uh, WMNF.org for information about the band, the lineup, and how to get tickets. So Excited that it's coming back. Yeah, it's very good, and uh, it's just going to be a great, great evening. So let's take another call, Glenn. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Glenn Hatchell. It's Ask the Trainer. Hi. Hi, this is a question. Hello, Duncan and Glenn. This is a cat question. Okay. Okay. Um, I have an orange male tabby, super sweet. We have a screened-in enclosed deck and a bathroom off the deck. He likes to go out on the deck at night because I think he he enjoys that, and there's some neighborhood cats who come around. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have a litter box in the out connected outdoor bathroom, which he mostly uses, but sometimes he pees on top of the litter box. And um, I have like put down pa- newspapers or plastic and it's just every once in a while. And I'm just like, why is he peeing on the outside of the litter box? What is going on? Mm-hmm. Any ideas? Um, is that the only litter box? He has one inside the house and then one outside on the screened-in deck. Okay, and it's the one on the outside of the screened-in back that he yeah. will pee outside. Not, <clears throat> and do you have any? Is this? Do you have any idea when it happens? I don't. Like, I I don't I mean, know. Yes, go on. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, no I, I, you know, my thought being that you know, is if. I'm assuming, does it happen when he's out there? Well, of course he's going to be out there. Sorry, yeah. that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm, I, hmm, hmm. 
Well, since you do have multiple, well, one thought, well, since it is just happens randomly, right? Yeah. Um, my thought is probably somehow it's triggered by something outside. Um, <clears throat> a lot of times if there's some litter box issues like that, it, it, it is that there needs to be, well, there's not enough litter boxes. So one thought would be to put, I mean, actually go ahead and add a third. Is he the only cat you have? He is. And another thing is that he also, in that outside bathroom, sometimes he'll pee in the sink. <laughs> hmm. um, okay, so maybe another litter box? Yeah, I, I would, well, you know, this really to me is sounding more like the kind of marking kind of thing. Um, it doesn't, since it happens sporadically, it doesn't sound like it would be, well, I'm not medically trained. So, you know, it's always one of, you know, next vet appointment, at least make them aware of it, but it doesn't sound like a urinary kind of thing because it's, you know, it just randomly happens. So that's Mm -hmm. what makes me, and since you have multiple litter boxes, that's what makes me think that it's probably triggered by something outside it could be one of the other cats it could be a you know a random wildlife animal that comes through um yeah that is it's not uti because we've had gone through that with him and the you know his behavior is much different oh yeah you would totally yeah you would be seeing other things for sure yeah yeah and Um, i i think i agree with you because we have you know, we're kind of almost in a wooded area. We do have a lot of wildlife around, and we do have like a whole tribe of cats that live on the corner that the lady feeds, our neighbor mm-hmm. feeds, and they make their rounds. So there's like this whole um, rhythm and socialization that these cats are doing with my cat, even though he's on the screened in porch. Mm-hmm. Okay. That could be part of it. Now, one thought, even though it, this would really be a stretch, I would make sure that he has a multitude of toys outside that he can, let's say, since he can't get out there with them, something that he could redirect that um, adrenaline on. Hmm. Like a scratching thing or? Well, um, yeah, I mean, it could could be, I mean, it could be a ball that he could knock around. Um, Actually, one suggestion, again, this goes back to my Cat Lovers Club in Sun City, um, meeting a couple of weeks ago, one of the people in the audience had suggested in a scenario like this of having a bigger stuffed animal that's kind of round-like because it gives the cat the ability to grab it with the front paws and then also be able to um, kick into it with its back paws as well. Hmm. So that, you know, think I'm just thinking of other things things that if it is a reaction to something outside, then what else could you have inside that he could, you know, he could redirect that on rather than the litter box. May not make a difference, but that's at least behaviorally where my mind goes, but that's where my mind is trained to go. (laughs) Okay, that sounds good. We'll try just something for him to kind of like rustle and tossle and beat up on. Right. And my and my idea on this is similar to um, a cat that shows sometimes will show just this random aggression inside the house. 
that often is related to, for example, they can see to a bird feeder outside and they see all these birds, but they never have any way to satisfy that prey drive. So if something like that's kicking in for him, then sometimes a toy may be just enough. There's like, okay, I'm good now. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. We're going to try that. Absolutely. Good luck. Thanks for your call. All right, this is Talk Hands. We're doing a session, uh, another edition of Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell from the main site of Tampa Bay. We're uh, taking your calls at 813-239-9663 or uh, you can text those at 813-433-0885 or email dj at wmnf.org. We're going to take another call shortly, but we're going to read one of our uh, emails that came in a bit ago. It says, good morning. Tell me about a training a mountain cur i have one and he's stubborn but he's very smart but he doesn't always like to listen patience um variety of rewards and whatever he does really well at and i'll just use sit as an example because that's an easy one um use that to try to build uh the other behaviors that are a little more challenging would be kind of an easy way to put it um but, you know, with that motivation, um, that's where the challenge can – well, that's where, one, the fun can be, trying to figure out and find what are the motivators. Sometimes it can be certain rewards, like um, different types of food rewards or a ball or a rope. Um, and for some dogs, it could even be time of day. You know, they do really well, you know, middle of the afternoon, but after that, they're just not as focused on training. Um, but if they're really struggling or and really not wanting to focus, there's your prime opportunity to do training at feeding time because he's probably really interested to do whatever you want if that means um, it's time for dinner or breakfast or both. Okay, that's great, Glenn. Thank you. And um, so we're going to get to another call here. Again, we're in our um, you know, last few minutes or so of Ask the Trainer on Talking Animals with Glenn Hatchell. And again, we're taking your calls at 813-239-9663. You can email dj at wmnf.org or you can text 813-433-0885. Uh, I think I would have this all memorized by now, but now I'm getting my own way. But let me just quickly tell you what's going to happen on next week's show. I guess it will be Dr. Eleanor Spicer-Rice, an entomologist by training and author of multiple books, mostly about ants and spiders, but her new book is Unseen Jungle, The Microbes That Secretly Control Our World. At first blush, this might seem like an unlikely book to discuss on Talking Animals, but as I learned, technically, microbes are animals, and they affect numerous animals. So Dr. Spicer-Rice has been a guest on the show multiple times, and I uh, keep inviting her on because she's terrific, smart, funny, eloquent, and this book is really interesting, and it's kind of aimed at a slightly younger audience, so I think that's worth noting as well. So that'll be next Wednesday here on Talking Animals at 11 a.m. on WMNF. So let's take... There, uh, really, there, there, is, there is a number of... Are there some studies going on right now in research and people looking at aggression as it relates to... Um, the gut biome. Yeah. It's actually very, is very, very talking animals related for sure. Yeah. I was surprised as I read the book how deeply it was. And uh, so I really look forward to finding out more from her and discussing some of the book. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's right. So, again, we're going to take one of our next callers, who again called 813-239-9663. If you have any uh, ideas about doing the same, we just don't want you to run out of time. So that's what often happens is 
We get a flurry at the last minute. We don't get to everybody. So here's a good chance to call in or email uh, dj at wmnf.org, and we'll take this caller now. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Glenn Hatchell. Let's ask the trainer. Hi, my name is Dawn. Hey, Duncan. Hi, Glenn. Hey. Um, Hi, Dawn. I have, I have a two-year-old cat, and I agree with your assessment with the other caller about the, uh, the cat peeing on the outdoor litter. Um, I was feeding ferals so that I could TNR them, and I did that. But then I noticed my cat, when he's in the yard, was peeing in every corner, and I understood mm-hmm. that behavior. However, the last few weeks, he's been biting us. Um, not all the time, but, but we've both been bitten twice through the skin, bleeding. And I'd like to know how we can stop the biting behavior because, um, you know, animals get yeah. put down for this kind of behavior. <laughs> yeah. Um, and is so he is an indoor-outdoor cat? He's he's outdoor only when we're with him, when we're watching him. We don't let him free roam. He's, you know, within an area. Um, But, yeah, he's 90% 90 indoor, I'd say. I'm with you. Okay, so uh, perfect. I mean, I totally understand what you mean there. Um, So, again, I would think a couple of things. I would think there's probably something that he's not – it's probably a – he's reacting to something he's not getting at that or that he's looking for. So if we just think about, have you noticed any, is he, is he meowing, vocalizing differently than he had been? No, it's, it's anything. So you're, so you haven't, you really haven't noticed anything different other than. No, he hasn't peed in the house. He hasn't acted aggressively. Um, no. And when I took him to the vet, she said, well, don't feed the ferals out where he can see them. In fact, I thought that would be cute for him, but evidently not. So I moved the feeding place way far away to catch the ferals. Um, I mean, the vet said that it's probably a Tom, why he's been spraying, but I don't understand why he's biting myself and my husband. Yeah, well, it and probably he- is redirecting because of something something like that. I would think about having a variety of things, I w- you know, toys for him to go. I would think about doing some food puzzles that he can kick around. Um, I mean, and even if it, um, you know, would be something, well, things along that line, just to see if if you're able to find some other things like that, if it reduces what he's doing. But one thought is that when does he bite? Are you petting him at this point, or does he just come up and randomly bite you? No, he usually, you know, he, he has this game where he'll, like, kind of grab our legs, and usually it's without the claws, you know, to engage with us, like, yep. hey, you know, come yep. get me. Yep. And that's fun, yep. and we engage with him. But uh, when he uses claw or teeth, and and, yeah. and I don't think he means to bite us, but he's broken the skin, which yeah. is not okay because God for I mean it's, it's okay if it's me and my husband. It, it would be terrible if it was someone else or a child visiting us, uh, which is why we need to cut this out. Right. Right. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I do have so, food puzzles, and I'll pull them out again. And we do redirect him, but when he bites us, obviously we say no, and then we actively ignore him. So he understands yeah. that that behavior is going to be actively ignored. Um, I would one thing I would look well. One I would um, check with the vet and make sure there's there's not something medical that's happening. And you no, know that's fine. that's always my first thing. Um, but I would also look into a product called Feel Away. Feel Away. F E L I W A Y. And they it. make a series of products for cats. And basically, it's some calming products and also ones to, um, they've got scratching products and such. But I would look mm-hmm. into uh, trying the feel away. And they also have diffusers, um, which will kind of constantly keep that. And that could, in some cats, that aromatherapy, that effect will have the, enough of an effect to reduce what you're experiencing. 
So I have one real quick question on that because the, the vet did get, did give me amitriptyline, but when I read up on it, you know, she said, oh, try this for a bit. Uh, when I read up on it, it says it's been taken off the market for humans. Um, so I was very hesitant to, you know, drug my cat with something that the FDA has pulled for consumption. How do you feel about amitriptyline? I'm not medically trained. <laughs> I really, honestly, I don't, I'm, I don't have enough experience with it. I don't have personal experience to even give you an anecdotal. Okay. Well, so, then I think yeah. I made the right decision by, you know, trying it once and then putting it away. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking my call, and I will uh, directly get to Amazon for that giveaway. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks very Thanks much for your call. All right. So we're in the final few minutes. We probably could sneak in one more call at 813-239-9663 or an email at dj at wmnf.org before we uh, have to say goodbye for this uh, edition of Ask the Trainer. But again, this is Glenn Hatchell. It's Ask the Trainer. We had a few more uh, cat questions uh, than percentage-wise we typically get in the past. So that's been fun and interesting. And uh, speaking of cat things, I just thought I would maybe get one last question or two before we have to sign off here, like I say. I'm just going to note that there's a kitten shower, so-called, this Saturday. It's under the auspices of Friends of Strays, and it basically says kitten season is here to stay throughout the spring and summer. There'll be a kitten shower this Saturday, April 29th, from noon to 2 p.m. to help raise funds and supplies to provide around-the-clock care that kittens need and learn more about becoming a kitten foster with us. So that's going to be taking place at Bayboro Brewing in St. Petersburg. You can find out more about that, friendsofstrays.org, because, again, it's this Friends of Strays event and it would help them and help their influx of kittens that, that goes on this time of year so glenn we're uh i think sort of nearing the end of our time any other want to circle back to anything we were saying at the beginning or anything else that we should discuss before we uh wrap things up for this edition well one thing that it i think on most of the shows there's always has been some website that i've have said Check this out with a lot of good stuff. And I think the website for this episode would be fearfreepet.com. Fear Free Pets was started by a veterinarian out in Idaho, Marty Becker, who some people may recognize him if they're old and used to watch one of the morning shows. Good morning, America, I want to say. yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, I'm old. Yeah. Several, several years ago, um, he started this program partly because 70, I think the number was like 73% of the cats in homes don't have vet appointments because of the fear the cats experience going to the vet office. Um, and it has since evolved into fear-free groomers, fear-free trainers, fear-free veterinary practices. But on fearfreepets.com, there is there's a tremendous amount of resources out there, simple explaining kind of resources on some very basic things for pet owners. So that's a that's another good resource that's out there that you can you can trust. That's I great. Trust no, that's great. So it's again it's fearfreepets.com and uh so Glenn, I think we have just about reached the end of today's edition, but thank you once again for uh making the time to provide help and expertise and guidance to uh all the folks who called in and emailed in and texted in today asked the trainer, and hopefully we'll do it again three or four months down the road. Sounds good to me. And also, I should say, since you were smart enough and nice enough to ask about it, I should quickly run down the lineup for Tropical Heatway, which includes Shamika Copeland, the Serotones, GH20, Elin Jewel Band, Glove, Laura Rain and the Caesars, Have Gun, Will Travel, the Snozberries, Rocket 88, Vodka Knots, LPT, Talk to Mark, 
Cottondale Swamp, and Magadog. Uh, back synergy in a cup and um, there's even a marching band that kicks things off so it's going to be really great and again that's that's uh, May 6th at the Cuban Club go to WNF.org to find out more get your tickets but don't miss it it's going to be a blast so Glenn thanks that's 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 going to be fun yeah no that's uh, I think they maybe reassembled just for this I'm not quite sure as far as I know they were they had kind of you know hung hung up their uh, skanking shoes some years ago, so it's great to see they're back in action. So, anyways, True. Glenn, thank you again. We'll do this again, hopefully, like I say, three or four months down the road. And I so appreciate your time and making uh, your uh, yourself available for these kind of questions, as I'm sure the listeners do as well. Absolutely. Thanks, Glenn. Coming up on WNF, the music kicks back in with Jim Bannon in for Scott Elliott today from noon to three p.m. Glorious three hours of music, followed by Robin Hooper with another three hours of music, and we just keep the music coming as we roll into our block of Latin programming and beyond. I want to remind you again that I mentioned earlier that my guest next week will be Dr. Eleanor Spicer-Rice, who, uh, again, mostly writes and talks about insects. She's an entomologist by training, but uh, this new book, again, is uh, called Unseen Jungle, The Microbes That Secretly Control Our World, and um, it's really fascinating. I noted earlier, um, wouldn't necessarily thought it would be something to discuss on Talk Animals, but it's actually very much so, since microbes themselves are animals and they affect all kinds of animals, and um, so it should be really interesting. She's just a great guest, super smart and funny and bright, and uh, so that's next Wednesday here on Talking Animals. So I invite you to join me for that show. I also invite you to visit TalkingAnimals.net for audio archives of every show we've ever broadcast. Apple Podcasts are available there, too as well as on other podcast platforms. And there's links to our social media pages. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter to, uh, to find out more about guests and other things a couple of days before the shows each week and other news from the Talking Animals world. So I'm Duncan Strauss. Thanks very much for listening. Have a good week. Be kind to animals. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. This is Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa, Brandon, Clearwater, Largo, Wikiwaji, and beyond. Thanks for all the calls and emails and uh, texts. We appreciate it. And again, our thanks to uh, Glenn Hatchell for making all that possible and setting aside the time to uh, to provide that, that advice and guidance and wisdom. So anyways, we'll see you next Wednesday on Talking Animals here on WMAP Tampa. Thanks.